So this morning, I'd like to look at a verse of Scripture, and it's actually in the last chapter of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 25. I know some people follow along, and some people would rather just uh, uh, listen. I, I do give a lot of Scripture, so uh, I understand if you just want to uh, listen instead of read each one of them. But uh, 2 Kings in chapter 25, and this is about a, a king of Judah, and uh, he was uh, put in bondage at a uh, very young age. And uh, I'd looked at this several times through the years and had a couple things highlighted here, but Bill just, it just didn't click, just didn't see it. But now I think the Lord has revealed many things to us that I would like to uh, share with you this morning. So Second uh, Kings chapter 25 and beginning in verse 27. And it came to pass in the seven and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, on the seven and twentieth day of the month, that Evelmerodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did liberate Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. And he spoke kindly to him. And set his throne above the throne of the kings that, that uh, were with him in Babylon. And changed his prison garments. And he did eat his food regularly, or bread continually, your Bible may say, before him all the days of his life. And his allowance was regular or continually. Allowance given to him by the king, day, uh, a daily rate for every day all the days of his life. So we have this King Jehoiakim and uh, in, in bondage here for 37 years. And I don't know how old he was when he began to reign. I, I kind of get mixed up and I should have maybe studied a little more. But Jeho Jehoiakim with an M or Jeho Jehoiakim with an N, one of them was eight years old when they started to reign. But anyway, in prison in bondage 37 years, that's a long time. Uh, uh, portion of one's life, but he was in prison for 37 years. And then God sent a king uh, to free Jehoiakim. And this king spoke kindly to Jehoiakim. And then he set Jehoiakim's throne above the thrones, uh, above the other thrones there in, in, uh, in Babylon. And he gave Jehoiakim a change of garments. He changed his prison garments and gave him a change of garments. And he gave him food. He ate at the king's table. And he gave him a, a daily allowance. And let me just say that what a wonderful picture that is of each of the Lord's children. Start out in bondage. God sent a king, actually a priest king, to set us free. And this priest king, Jesus Christ, of course, spoke kindly to us. And he said, our throne. You say, we've got a throne? Well, we'll see. He made us a kingdom of priests. Set our throne. 
and certainly gave us a change of garments. Gave and gives us food, spiritual food, and a daily allowance, daily. So now, so let's uh, break this down a little bit. Uh, again, very interesting to me. Nothing new, just the same thing in new places that, that makes our foundation uh, more firm. So uh, I'll read uh, the first verse, 27 there. And it uh, came to pass in the seventh and thirteenth year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, that Evile... Uh, Mirodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did liberate or freed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. So Jehoiakim was in prison, in bondage. And each of us, I was in bondage, each of us was in bondage. I know the, uh, Jesus was talking to some of the Pharisees, and they said, well, we're of Abraham, we've never been in bondage. Well, I was in bondage, and you was in bondage. They didn't understand. They said, well, we're free. We've never been in bondage, but uh, they didn't understand. In fact, they were in bondage at that time and didn't, didn't understand it. So how was, we, how was we in bondage? What was we in bondage to? How did this you know, take place? So let's go to Acts chapter 15, which is a perfect example of what was taking place. Acts chapter 15, and again, if you're following along, that's fine. If you just want to listen, that's fine too, because like I said, I do go to a lot of scriptures. I guess for two reasons. I don't have that good of a memory, and, uh, and I want to prove what I'm saying is not my opinion. It's scripture. So uh, this is a good uh, uh, scripture here to talk about how people are put in, in bondage. And uh, well, let's just start, uh, and I'm going to read a few verses here. Let's start in verse 1 of Acts chapter 15. Now this is where uh, the, the church down here at Antioch, and uh, there was some people from the first church at Jerusalem. And uh, they were legalists or Judaizers, as you call them. And they came down to the church here at Antioch and teaching them certain things. Now, these were what were called uh, believing uh, uh, Jews, because many of them said, oh, it's Jesus, he's a Beelzebub, and things like that. Well, they didn't believe that, but they didn't understand yet. So, uh, verse 15, And certain men who came down from Judea taught the brethren, and said, Except you be circumcised at the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. They was looking at the earthly uh, circumcision, says, you know, you have to keep this or you can't be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on the way by the church, uh, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversation of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, saying that it was needful 
to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. That's what they came down teaching. Said you, to, to be saved, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to keep the law of Moses to be saved. Again, these were believing uh, Jews, but they weren't believing uh, in the matters we'll see that Peter was. They didn't think Jesus was a Beelzebub, but they didn't, they didn't believe, didn't understand. So anyway, they said, you've got to keep the law of Moses uh, uh, and circumcised to be saved. Then verse 6. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. So there was a lot of discussion on that. And beloved, this discussion is still going on today. Still going on today. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knoweth the hearts bore them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why put God to the test? To put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved, even as they. Now, a yoke... Uh, here, yoke is what they would put on a, on a beast of burden, put it over the head and on the shoulders, and this is what attached them to the heavy burden that they were to pull or, or carry. So he says here, he says, Peter says to these uh, believing Jews, legalizers, that believed law of Moses was the way, he says, why do you put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? Why do you put this heavy burden on them? He says, we can't carry it. Our fathers couldn't carry it. But yet you put it on the, this yoke upon the neck of the disciples. In other words, put them in bondage. But then, in verse 11, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So you can see the difference here. The bondage under the law of Moses and being free, looking to Jesus Christ. So uh, uh, this is the, the bondage that, that, and this is the teaching of the world today. And this is the bondage that uh, they try to put upon the uh, neck of the disciples. In Galatians chapter 5 we see more. So this, I'm talking some about freed and some about the bondies, but they both, they both go together, actually. But uh, Galatians chapter 5, about being uh, freed from this bondage, this heavy burden that he, he told the Pharisees, he says, you can't carry it. We couldn't carry it. Our fathers couldn't carry this heavy burden, but yet this is what you want to put on, uh, on individuals. I had a conversation one time with an individual and he was talking about the law of Moses and, and uh, I said, well, you know, the law is not the way though. And he said, well, he said, you teach them the law till you get them into the church. 
And I said something, and, and maybe not in a, probably could have said it better, but what I said was, so you're saying teach him a lie to get him into the church and then teach him the truth? And he said, well, you teach what you want to teach, and I'll teach what I want to teach. So anyway, so uh, no, I don't believe you teach a lie to get him into the church and then teach the truth. Uh, certainly we teach the truth, and it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. So uh, Galatians chapter 5 Talking about being this bondage and what this bondage is and being freed from this bondage. Verse 5 or verse 1 of chapter 5 of Galatians. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with which Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We saw that's exactly what happened there in Acts. Uh, chapter 15, they come down from Jerusalem there from the first church and said, you you got to carry this load of the law of Moses. Peter said, we believe it's through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is saying the same thing. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with which Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That yoke of bondage, the law, was never the way. And we'll read a couple more verses here. It says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, If ye be circumcised, Christ profit you nothing. It's talking about uh, under the, the law. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a dare to do the whole law. And then he says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Now people look at this. They didn't fall from the grace of God. They fell from the teaching and belief of grace. He says, you, you've fallen from grace. Christ has become no effect. In other words, in your teaching, in your belief, if you believe it's through the law of Moses, Christ has become no, of no effect. You've fallen from grace. And Paul was, uh, I'm not sure of the right words to say, but he was very uh, uh, conscious of the difference between grace and law. He said, if, if you think the law is the way, you fall from grace and Christ is of no effect. And look what he said in, in the second chapter of Galatians, verse 21. And, and he says this, certainly he had a reason to say this, he didn't say it out of the blue, because of, he says, I do not make void or frustrate the grace of God. Now apparently some had. That's why he's making this statement. So he says, I don't make void the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. What a terrible thing to say, Christ died in vain. That's a terrible thing to say. But if we say the righteousness through the law, that's what we're saying. Unawares, we're not, we wouldn't be aware that we're saying uh, Christ is of no effect or... Uh, Christ died in vain. We wouldn't be aware of saying that, but if we're saying that righteousness comes through the law, that's exactly what we're saying. In Galatians chapter uh, 4, so we're talking about this, this bondage. And uh, verse 9, Galatians 4 and 9. If you get a chance sometime, just read the whole book of Galatians. Not very long, but a very enlightening Galatians 4, 9. But now, 
after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements unto which you desire again to be in bondage? So this is like, again, those came down from the first church at Jerusalem, come down to Antioch, and it doesn't say that the, some of them uh, believed it or fell for that. There was a lot of discussion. But here, Galatians, he says, well, uh, after you've known God, or rather are known by God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements into which you desire again to be in bondage? They were desiring again to be in bondage. What? Desiring again to be under the law of Moses as the way. You know, even uh, a, a picture of that is when Israel was delivered from Egypt, delivered from slavery, delivered from bondage. And, you know, Moses went up uh, on the Mount, uh, Mount Sinai to uh, where the Lord gave them the, the law. And uh, what did they do? They made captains to take them back down in Egypt in bondage. Well, why would they want to do that? Well, why would anyone uh, want to not look at Christ and, and look to the law? It, it's the same thing. Uh, in this fourth chapter of Galatians, I, I'm going to try to not read so much, but I'll skip around a little bit. Verse 21. Tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? And that's a good question to ask individuals that believe in the law. So I, th I think, well, that'd been a good question to ask those that come down from Jerusalem and said, you've got to keep the law of Moses to be saved. Because it says... Don't you hear the law? In verse 19, Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And then all the way over in verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And I know I skipped a lot there. It talks about Hagar and, and bondwoman free. But it says we're not children of the bond. We're not under bondage. We're not under that heavy burden. But as Peter says, we believe it through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we should be saved. Hebrew chapter 12 is... Uh, we talk about this some, we read it occasionally, but it's a very dramatic picture of if we're in bondage or what the bondage would be, what, we believe, what we're trusting in. So where do, you go, where do you go for trust? What's your faith? What's your trust in? Law of Moses, as they come down from Jerusalem and taught them? Trust in law of Moses? If you do, I'll say, don't you hear the law? Or is it Jesus Christ? So here's the good picture of this in Hebrew chapter 12. And uh, let's start in verse 18. It says, For you, not come, you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest. Now this is Mount Sinai where God gave the law of Moses uh, to give to the children of Israel. So he says, you're not come here. That's not, and I hope that's not where you go. Now, when we were in bondage, that's where I went. That's why I was terrified. I wanted to hide from God. 
But says, you're not coming to the mount that might be touched and burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempt us. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice uh, they that heard entreated that the uh, words should not be spoken to them anymore. They said, we don't, we don't want to hear any more of God's words. You tell Moses, let Moses tell us. They didn't want to hear God's word. And again, whenever I was in bondage, whenever I was looking to the law, I didn't even want to think of God. I've told you before, I, I wanted to hide. But later it was revealed to me that that's my loving Heavenly Father. So, uh, verse 24, or verse 20. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a spear. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. That's Mount Sinai. That's where the law of Moses was given. And he says, Brother, you're, you've not come there. That's not where you go. Where then? That's bondage, of course. That's, that's the bondage. That's the heavy burden that the Pharisees is putting on this yoke of the disciples. In verse 22, but you are come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And listen, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So you're not going to Mount Sinai where the law of Moses is. That's not where to go. We're to go to Jesus Christ and his blood. And, and Paul said it in, in, in Corinthians there. He says, I determined not to know anything among you. Say Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and that's where we should go. There may be things we don't understand. But we know it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, people ask, well, how do babies get to heaven? Well, they die before they're 12 years old, is what I'm told. No, it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. How would, how would people uh, in the Old Testament before the law of Moses given, how they get to heaven? Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the answer to everything. Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is the way and the only way. So uh, we were in bondage looking to the law of Moses to whatever degree instead of Christ. And you'll realize that so much of the religious world, that's where they are as well. So then our, in our text said uh, as Jehoiakim was in prison and we were in prison, we were in bondage, we were in darkness. But then it says this king that God sent freed him. Freed him immediately. Freed him from this prison. To us, he sent a king. King priest. Jesus Christ was made a king at the order of Melchizedek, who was a king and a priest. So Jesus Christ was our king. He was our priest. He was a sacrifice. But anyway, a, a king. Jesus Christ was sent to free us from this bondage, 
from this darkness, from this yoke, from this heavy burden? Didn't he say, take my yoke upon you? My yoke is easy. Colossians chapter 1, to show we're, we're delivered from this. We're freed from this. And we pray that we don't want to go back into bondage where we were. Colossians. Chapter 1. We read verse 12 not too long ago. I'll read it again. Colossians 1 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, who hath made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Again, he made us fit by his son, Jesus Christ, and his shed blood. We don't make ourselves fit through this law of Moses that many are burdened down to. And then verse 13, who hath delivered us? Jehoiakim was delivered from prison. We also were delivered from prison, from darkness, from bondage, from that heavy yoke. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That kingdom is the Lord's true churches. And it says, verse 14, In whom we have redemption, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You don't see that through the letter of the law of Moses. And, we, and again, we understand there's a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. But through the letter of the law, as they looked at it, you don't have forgiveness that way. But he's translated from that darkness to his marvelous light. And in that marvelous light, we see that we have redemption through his blood. Let's go to, to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Again, freed and delivered. As Jehoiakim was freed, so are we freed from that heavy bondage and, and burden and darkness. Uh, 1 Peter 2 and 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a people of his own, that you should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we were in darkness. We were in bondage. We were under this heavy yoke. And in the Lord's own time, he brings us out of it. Little by little, sometimes very fast. Sometimes still struggle with it. But nevertheless, it's he that separates us and brings us out of that. Yet he sent a king, the king priest, to do that. Set us free. We're not under that anymore. So Jesus Christ freed us from this prison. And again, he sent his, uh, God sent a king to do that. Just as Jehoiakim, God sent a king to free him from prison. We too are uh, freed from prison. And in our text, it said this, this king spoke kindly to Jehoiakim.
spoke kindly to him. What's that mean? And the word kindly has a lot of definition, but just as that is kindly, it's pleasant, it's, it's good things is what he spoke to him. So what is our king? Are you hearing kindly words? In John chapter 6, Gospel of John chapter 6, we see some words of Jesus Christ, this king priest. And is it kindly words? Is it pleasant words? What we hear of the law of Moses, well, we read about Mount Sinai, I didn't we? Mount Sinai wasn't kind and pleasant things, was it? Quaking and terrible and fire and, and, and Moses feared and, and quaked. But here, this king spoke kindly to Jehoiakim. And so does our king priest speak kindly to us. And, and Cephas is not kind and uh, <coughs> words to you, pleasant words. John 6 and verse 37, Jesus Christ says, And all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. Isn't that kind words? Isn't that words that the sheep of Jesus Christ love to hear? He says, my, my father gave you to me, and I won't cast you out. I won't lose one of them. 38. <clears throat> For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And I just think this is such a, a wonderful couple of verses here. <clears throat> he says, I uh, came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him that sent me. And I thought, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful to know the will of him that sent him? Well, the next verse tells us that. And this is the will. This is the Father's will who has sent me. That of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day. Is that not kindly words? Isn't that words that like to hear? Or would you rather hear what they come down from Jerusalem and teaching them at Antioch? Okay, now you got to go to Mount uh, Sinai. you got to keep the law of Moses to be saved. Or would you rather have the kindly words, all that the Father giveth to me, I'll lose none. I won't cast them out. I'll lose none. And then uh, verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me. Again, this is the will of the Father. Is the Son going to carry it out? Absolutely. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. Every one of the sheep that the Father gave the Son, he'll raise them up. They'll have eternal life. He'll not lose one. <clears throat> and is that not kindly words? Is that not pleasant words? But let me go to another place, pleasant words. John chapter 17. This is where... 
the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, a short time before he was going to go to the cross, he prayed. And we have it here for us, what he prayed for. And this is, should be kindly words, pleasant words to you. So I'm going to try to refrain from reading too much here. Uh, let's go to verse uh, 4, first of all. But again, this is Jesus Christ. And this is, his, this is a prayer that he's praying to his Father. And it's, it's written so we can hear this, uh, uh, hear these kindly words. So, verse uh, 4. Jesus says, I have glorified thee on the earth, and I have finished the work which thou gavest me. And he came to save his people from their sins. That's the work that he was finishing. Five, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee from before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men whom thou gavest me. And thou gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. So this is who he's praying for, the ones that the Father gave him. Verse 7, Now they have known that all things, whatever thou hast given me, are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. In verse 9, I pray for them. Talk about kindly words that Jesus Christ prayed. It says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Doesn't that make it, although it may be hard to understand, does that make it more special? He hasn't prayed for everybody. But he prayed for these that the Father gave him. Is that not kindly words? That king had kindly words for Joachim. Our king, priest, Jesus Christ, had kindly words. He says, <clears throat> I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them whom thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And then he goes on. And now I am no more in the world, because he's going to be leaving, going to be crucified. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. He's praying for us. Not, not everybody without exception. These are kindly words. Keep in thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak 
in, in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So these kindly words that's recorded for us, again, this was a short time before he was to be taken and crucified. This is what was on his mind. And he said, I speak this, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Doesn't that give you joy knowing that he finished the work, that he's praying for you? And let me ask, is there any doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ's prayers will come true? Well, there's no doubt of that. But he says, now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I certainly hope as you look at Jesus Christ, <clears throat> your joy is filled. Going to Mount Sinai, joy's not filled there. Joy's not filled looking at the law of Moses. What they came down from Jerusalem saying, you got to be circumcised, keep the law of Moses, be saved. That doesn't fill my joy. You do any work on Saturday? Stone them, kill them. Uh, let's read on here. Verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. When you stand for the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be hated, talked about, behind your back, probably mostly. Well, you're saying you just go do whatever you want to do. The saying that through Jesus Christ we're saved. Or it's what the scripture says, not me, what the scripture says. Uh, 14, I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Uh, I shared with you before, in Ephesians 1, 4, tells us that God chose his elect in Christ before the foundation of the world, that they'd be delivered whole without blame before him in love. Somebody on television one time uh, says, well, if those Baptists didn't have that, they wouldn't have anything. Well, that same thing is throughout the scriptures. But it's hated. It's hated. Why? takes all the own glory away from man. We can't say, can't brag about how good we are or what we've done. 15, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast uh, sent me into the world, so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, that's his disciples at that time, but for them also who shall believe on me through their word. He's praying for you and I in this day and age. That prayer back then. That they, may, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the uh, world may know that thou hast uh, sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will, that they also whom thou hast given me shall be with me where I am. 
This is the kindly words that the king has spoken to us. Again, Jehoiakim, this king <clears throat> set him free, spoke kindly to him. God sent us the king priest, Jesus Christ, to set us free. And oh, does he speak kindly to us, pleasant that your joy may be full. I see we're out of time. We'll take us up again. But uh, uh, in this, we, we do see that uh, God sent, uh, we were in bondage. God sent a king. He spoke kindly to us. And tonight, Lord willing, he set us up in a throne. He gave us a change. Of, he took away our prison garments and gave us a change of garments. Gave and gives us food and a daily allowance. Doesn't give everything to you at once. A daily allowance as he sees fit. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.